Hey, small business owners, thanks for tuning in. This is The Big Small Expert, a show for independent retailers that gives you tips and tricks on how to make your business stand out in a sea of big box stores. I'm your host, The Big Small Expert, Melissa Palermo. I opened my first retail store over 20 years ago, and my passion for small business has continued to grow since then. Today's episode is all about training your customers to do the things that you want them to and how you might actually be training them to do things you don't want them to do. For more small business tips and tricks, subscribe and like this podcast and follow The Big Small Expert on social media. Also, don't forget to check the show notes on other ways that we can connect. All right, so let's talk about training your customers. Sounds pretty serious, right? Like, I'm going to train my customers. But there may be things that you are doing that you really don't want your customers to be doing. And there may be things that you want to do to get your customers to do things. So let's talk about one of the biggest things that I see some stores training their customers to do. And that is always expecting a discount or a coupon. So this is actually something that is part of several big box retailers' plans. What they do is they always have a coupon out there, or they do what is called high-low pricing. So they say, hey, look at this sweater. It is 50% off. It used to be $60. Now it's $30. Well, chances are it pretty much was always $30, um, and they always wanted to charge $30. So they are training their customer to never expect to pay full price in that store, which in theory is okay. However, they're always going to be looking for a discount. Uh, Take Kohl's, for example. That's a good big box store to take, for example. They always have coupons out there. You know that if you roll into Kohl's and are going to pick something up, even if it's not marked down at all, you go and at the register, you ask if there are any coupons out there because inevitably there are. And so you, as a customer, if you are shopping there, know always use a coupon. They are charging me more and I should pay less here. It is not worth it. I should get a discount on this sweater or on these items. That is definitely not something you want to train your customers to expect. It says, hey, our stuff is overpriced. Our stuff is not maybe the best quality. It's not worth what we are charging for. We are not worth that. Don't do it. There's nothing wrong with giving discounts or having sales or having um, coupons out there. However, limit them. Use them sparingly and do them when it makes sense. So maybe you want to do a Black Friday sale. Maybe you're a home goods store and want to do a white sale in January. Fine. It makes infinite sense. But doing sale after sale after sale after sale also trains your customer that unless there's a sale going on, I shouldn't be shopping there. That's not when I'm supposed to go. I don't want to go then. It's not worth it. Um, So that is a really, really big sticking point for me. Restaurants sometimes will do this. They'll just always have coupons constantly being advertised or discounts all the time. Don't do it. I think it's a dangerous, slippery slope to get into. Um, And it really devalues you, your time, your effort, your business, and what you have to offer your customer. 
Another thing that you don't want to be doing is allowing customers to haggle over price. Now, I kind of laugh about that because that has actually happened to me. And it's, it, to be honest, it made me crazy. Um, it didn't happen that often. But sometimes there would be customers who would come into the store and they would say, hey, are there any discounts on this? Hey, oh, sorry, my notes just fell down. Um, hey, are there any discounts on this? Hey, are, um, can I get, you know, do you have any veterans discount or whatever it is? Um, can I get 10% off of this? And it drove me nuts. It, it, and it, oh, there my notes go again. This is what happens when you do a podcast. I'll tell you. Let me move my notes. Um, so anyway, so haggling. Um, it drove me nuts because I knew, I could tell, that customer who came into my store was not the same customer who would go, say, to a big box store, a Walmart, and say, hey, cashier, can I get a discount on this? Because that wasn't going to happen. That's not what you do. Um, so sometimes there will be a very small number of customers who, for lack of a better term, in my personal feeling, I feel like they are trying to take advantage that they can speak to the owner or, um, yeah, speak to the owner or someone in charge very, very easily. So don't do it. Don't give in. Don't haggle. Don't, it, unless, now there are certain businesses where that's sort of expected. Maybe it's an antique business. That I understand. But in general, for brand new goods in most retail stores, that's not how it works here in America. We're not somewhere else. So don't even do it. Don't entertain it. Because if you do it once, you're going to be asked to do it again. So I would say don't do that. Um, another thing that you don't want to train your customer to do and is to regret their purchase with you. Now, you might say, how would they regret buying something from me? I have amazing stuff. That may be so. But if you have a really, really strict return policy, that is that can be death to a sale. Um, if it's store credit only, no matter what, ooh. ultimately, there are people who are going to come into your store and they're going to want to make a decision. They might see something they really like and they might think in their head, oh, hmm, you know, so-and-so would really love this, uh, but I don't know. I mean, their birthday isn't coming up for another few months. Uh, I don't know if they're really going to want it then. Encourage them to just go ahead and make the purchase. If they change their mind, that's fine. They can bring it back. No big deal. Just hang on to your, re your receipt. Make sure it's open and unused, and we'll take it back. And maybe your return policy allows that for 30 days, 60 days, one month, two months. I understand that you don't want to leave that open forever for someone to come and bring back an item that you had, I don't know, two years ago. I get that. Um, but you want them to actually hand over their money and take the item out of your store and take it home with them. Chances are they won't change their mind. They might. And it's okay if they do. Returns are okay. Um, not a ton of them, but returns are okay. If you have people, let's say you have a clothing store. Sometimes people try on clothing and they like it and then they get home and they're like, ooh, I actually don't like how this fits. Don't make them regret shopping with you because you won't take it back. Brand new with the tags on, clean, 
doesn't have a weird smell. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about they're bringing back broken things, used things. You, you definitely need to have a standard. And so if you don't have a clear return policy, you really need to look at that. Um, that's actually, if you're thinking of starting a business, I'm going to say, go ahead and write a business plan. We'll get into that more in another podcast. Um, but writing your return policy. And you may need to tweak it as time goes on, as you see the needs of your customers change, or you see things happening um, that just change how it works in your store. That's okay. But don't make them feel like once they buy something, they're stuck with it forever because nobody wants that. We want them to err on the side of, oh, I better just grab this now. And mm, it's okay if I change my mind later. That's what we want because chances are they will not change their mind. That's a sale, right? That's money in our pockets. Um, now, the other thing is there are... Uh, there are businesses that I have seen where, let's say, you purchase something and maybe part of it breaks. I've actually had that. Here's a good example. I bought, actually I got it for Christmas, a, um, a heated throw blanket. So it's kind of like a heating pad because it has the wires inside and you can plug it in. And you put it on and it's so nice and warm in the winter. I love it, right? So, but it does need to be washed. And after a few months of using it, I was like, I got to wash this. So I washed it according to the um, washing instructions and it stopped working. Chances are one of the wires inside broke, but I don't know. So I want to take it back to the store and say, dude, I should be able to wash this. It's a blanket. It tells you how to wash it. I did. There's something wrong with it, right? Um, no, they say, no, we do not take returns on these. You need to go through the manufacturer. Here's their 800 number. You can call them or you need to go to their website. So with the example of this blanket, I did call the number. I waited on hold for mm, 10, 15 minutes just so I could leave a message telling them that my blanket didn't work anymore, why it didn't work, what my name was and my phone number, and they would call me back. Guess what? I never got a call back. And I will, I, I, I'm not going to call them again. It's too much work. My time and effort are just not worth it. And I'm not going to get another one of those blankets ever again from that store ever again, by that company ever again. So you don't want to make it hard for a manu or for a customer. Let's say they buy a toy and I don't know, within a day or two it breaks and it shouldn't break based on what it is or how it broke or maybe it was missing pieces or something. Who knows? There's a lots there's lots of reasons why somebody might find that an item is defective. Um, take it back. Do not ask them to go through the manufacturer. Unless, unless there's really nothing else you can do. But I'm going to encourage you to try and do the work for them. You try and get your wholesale cost back on that. You talk to your sales rep. You talk to the manufacturer. Leave the poor customer alone and let them exchange for another one. You know, you've already made the sale. Chances are they like the item. But if you are forcing them to go through the manufacturer or go around you to try and get this problem solved, then that really means that you as the store owner or store don't stand behind what you are selling. The quality of your items is not something that you believe in. 
So don't have them do that. That's just something else that woo, drives me nuts, I tell you. Now, there are some things that you can train your customer to do. And they're good. They're good. And it takes consistency, just like everything else in our lives. Um, so if you only, you want your customer to only want your type of product from you. So say you're a homemade or an artisan-made candle store. You, you Candles are a commodity. You get a candle anywhere, right? Not all candles are the same. They're not all made with the same ingredients. They don't all use the same wicks. Some have cotton, some have wood, some are ethically sourced, whatever the reason is. Some of the fragrances are all natural, some are not. There's a lot of things that differ between candle. So when you are talking about your product, you are selling your product, whether that's through social media posts, that's through advertising, that's through emailing, that's through speaking about it in person, you want to make sure that you do not bash other products. So it's not like, mine's so good because these other ones are awful. And I'm going to tell you why. Mm -mm. That is not going to build brand loyalty for you. Um, You really want to talk about what makes yours better. So the candle thing, that's 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 an easy one. Say, okay, my Woodwick soy organic candles are so great because... You don't get carbon that is released into the air in your home and you don't get this and you don't get that versus saying because those Yankee candles are just garbage. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know why anyone would ever buy one of those. It, no. You want to train your customer to only want candles from you or only want whatever the product is from you. And there's actually there's actually several different ways that you can do that. One of the I think it's the easiest way, but is to get your story across. So I happen to be at this is not a retail store, but I happened to be at an Italian restaurant yesterday. And it was just a little small independent um, Italian restaurant in a little small town and the food was really good. And I'm pretty sure the owners were cooking it. And they were definitely Italian. And, but in the entire restaurant, which was very, very small, there was nothing about their story. I wanted to know when their family came from Italy, what part of Italy they're from, um, where these recipes are from. Are they handed down from, you know, great grandma, whoever? I want to know their story. That makes me invested. Because, you know, at a big, major corporation like Olive Garden, there is no story for that. It doesn't exist because it's just a manufactured experience and place. So telling the story is also a good way of training your customer to only want your product from your your type of product. Um, The other thing you want to do is train your customers to interact with you. So we all talk about posting on social media And I know that that can be time intensive sometimes. And it, 
Unlike how it used to be when you had a retail store, you were open from nine to five, you know, door was open. That's when you were interacting with customers. Door closed at five, locked the door. You didn't talk to them again. Well, now with social media, you have the ability to actually interact and speak with your customers via private message, via uh, comments on posts, and you want to encourage them to interact with you. You want to hear what they have to say. Now, some people are probably going to say things that you might not like. Every now and then, I have gotten comments um, that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't help. No thanks. So I just delete them. I hide them. Whatever. It's okay. You still have some control. Okay, so if some fool gets on your page and comments on a post and it's inappropriate or it's something that is negative or it's just not going the way you want, it's fine. Just get rid of it. You can do that. Okay, but you want your customers to to interact with you. And that's the same as in person. So, you know, talking, and we all know this, this is good customer service. Talking to them, hi, how are you? That's a beautiful dress you're wearing. Oh, don't you, didn't you just, um, I don't know, didn't I just see you at the restaurant across the street for lunch? How was it? Whatever. Just having a regular conversation is customer service. Um, But having them interact with you, that is huge. That's how a relationship is built. That's how they build a relationship with your business, Okay. Now you don't need to feel like you have to have your phone um, with you and on you all seconds of every day to, because if you post something and people comment, you need to reply. That's going to help your algorithm. That's another podcast episode that we'll be talking about in the future, um, which is, you know, Facebook marketing and some other things. But regardless, you don't need to answer right away and that's okay. I have a hairstylist. She owns her salon with several several other stylists. I have her I have her cell phone number. I don't really ever text her or call her um, because I don't want to bother her. I'll usually call the salon. We're also friends on Facebook, so I can message her. Um, I do want to ask her a question about my hair and some upcoming appointments, but I will do that and then she can get back to me. But boy, that is convenient for me because I can speak directly to her because there's several other stylists and reception there, um, a reception receptionist there, and then I can get what I want. And you better believe I'm not going anywhere else. I am loyal to her and that salon because we have a relationship. She has trained me that I can access her if I need her, but I do have boundaries. So, um, you know, I'm not hitting her up all day every day. Uh, another thing to do to train that you want to train your customers to do, and it's all about loyalty. You want them to be loyal to your your business. You want them to think of you when they need a certain item that you carry <clears throat> is a loyalty program. And loyalty programs, wow, they have come a long way. When I was in high school, I worked for a local grocery store. And that's the first time I had an experience with a loyalty card. So basically, you got the club card, you got the discounts, you could write a check. I had check cashing privileges. That's how long ago we're going back. For those of you that are younger, a check is a paper thing that is written out and it's a form of money. Um, So that's not how their loyalty program works anymore. But that's how it started. And that was the mid-90s. Okay, that's how it started in my life. That's how where I first experienced it. 
having a loyalty program while so many places have them, you really have the ability to do a lot of things. First of all, you get your customer's information, name, address if you tend to do mailings, which I don't know who does snail mail that much anymore. Email address, that's huge right there. You get their email address, you can talk to them. And then because 95% of businesses have a computerized point of sale system, and I hope you do too. Um, I hope you're in that 95%. And that's not a real statistic. I just made it up. But we're saying 95%. Um, Then you can actually sort of track what they're buying. So you can see, wow, this person is my biggest customer. And they seem to come in on Fridays and buy... Every new pair of funny socks that I carry, you know, and that is why these socks are my biggest seller, whatever. Um, But they are loyal to you. Okay. Now, when you are encouraging people to sign up for your loyalty program, I mean, come up with a good name, whatever, something easy. Tell them, tell them the benefits, make it really quick because there are some quote-unquote loyalty programs that you have to pay for. And that is a whole different thing. I know that Costco tracks how many memberships they're selling. I know that uh, Barnes & Noble tracks how many of their book club, I forget what they're called, um, but it's sort of a loyalty program thing that gives you benefits, but they're selling them. And their employees are encouraged and incentivized to sell them. This is free right? But the amount of information that you get back is worth it tenfold. So maybe it's for every $100 you spend, you get $5 in a $5 gift certificate. And we'll email that to you once a month. Okay. That totally gets them interacting. Okay. Um, And that that does get them interacting, but that also um, provides an avenue for increased loyalty. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever played The Sims or one of those video games. I think they do it in a lot of video games where, you know, you play and the more you do something with a certain character, they level up. If it's an experience point, an XP, or I don't know, I'm not a gamer or anything. But by having more interactions, by having more um, time together, you are leveling up your relationship and your, yeah, you're leveling up your relationship. And that is going to equate potentially two more dollars in that register. And that's really what it's about. I, as the retail owner, I want to, as the store owner, want to buy goods. And then I want to sell them for more. And I want those people inevitably to be happy about buying those goods and come back and buy more. That's it. It's actually pretty simple how sales work and how retail works. Um, But there's a lot of nuances on how to be as successful as you can be doing it. Side note. There is one side note. Um, There is, I mean, there are several ways that uh, you can actually let your customer train you. But one big one is, um, because as we talked about, you're going to have a point of sale system. 
is your customers will train you on what to buy and what inventory to carry. Um, Maybe you think, oh my gosh, I absolutely love these air fresheners that we carry. Well, when you go and it's, it's ordering time again and maybe you're getting ready for a big time of year, Christmas or something, you're meeting with your sales reps, whatever it is, you bring up that report and you look at your, your air freshener sales and you're like, wow, hmm, I felt like we sold a lot more, but we didn't. You know what we really sold a lot of? We sold a lot of scarves, but I didn't know. But your customers, because they were buying those scarves, are training you on what they want more of and what they want from you in your store. So that is another way to be trained, but for them to train you. So listen to your customers. They'll listen to you. And um, yeah, I seem to have lost my, my train of thought there for a second. Uh, that's okay. So again, training your customers. There are things you want to train them to do, and there are definitely things you want to train them not to do, like expecting a discount, always looking for a coupon, regretting their purchase because your return policy is so strict and stringent um, by allowing them to haggle over price. Don't do it. Do um, train your customer to only want the type of product, the specific product type, wait, the the type... (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, let's try this again. Train your customers to only want the type of product that you carry. Remember, if it's candles, they only want your candles. Um, Train them to interact with you on social media, in person, over the phone. That's okay. Answer the phone. That's fine. Um, And to shop with you and be loyal. And you can do that through a loyalty program. So this has been another episode of The Big Small Expert. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you again on our next episode.